1: The left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station. 77 WABC.
2: Actually, it was number one for a while. Might be good to get to the punchline, you know. Yeah. But Rich is just loving every second of yep, this.
3: he's grooving back there.
2: No doubt about it. They love the build-up, the lead-up. They love sampling the product with the Mary Jane girls, Rick James, and Orchard Park. Because you know he turned into a number one singer? Eddie Murphy? That's right, Eddie Murphy. One time, one time only. As Eddie Murphy went up to Buffalo and spent a whole year there, and everybody said, what the hell's going on, Eddie? You're not a singer. You're a comedian. You're a movie, a movie guy. You make millions. What are you, hanging out with Rick James and the Mary Jane girls? And he created this song to explain it. Because what he wanted to do was...
3: Well done. well, done. Seamless. This is why you're a broker. You. This is like, you are like silk.
2: People actually tried to do interventions, went up to Orchard Park, which is where the Bills play, the controversy about the new Bills Stadium. And they tried to rescue him. He wouldn't leave. Rick James compound with the Mary Jane girls, Coke everywhere. The
3: funniest thing about this story that you've told before is that they found the one swimming pool in, in, in the suburbs of Buffalo. That's right. <laughs> I,
2: but I mean a McMansion like you couldn't believe. Yeah. Rick James grew up in the projects in Buffalo. Very, very prejudiced at that time. Very prejudiced. So his dream was, if I become number one, I'm not going to go to California. I'll have a second home in L.A., you know, for for musical purposes. But I'm gonna have the biggest mansion ever in the Greater Buffalo area, Amherst, Lockport, Cheektawaga, Tanawanda, Orchard Park, right by the Bill Stadium. And boy did he. It was a McMansion like you you just couldn't imagine. Women all the time, the Mary Jane girls who were his backup singers and others and groupies, and he encouraged Oh man. When he was number one Saturday Night Live, he was just starting to make movies. Eddie Murphy, it's almost the equivalent of when Michael Jordan left the Bulls, right? Number one basketball player yeah, of all crazy. time. And went to play minor league baseball in Birmingham for two years. People said, are you out of your well, mind? You know, when, I,
3: when I had not heard this story, and I asked my friend Kevin Cusick, who's an Irish guy from Buffalo, thinking, you know, he, he says, oh, yeah. As segregated as Buffalo is, we all love that Rick James. He's, he's, our, he's our guy. Oh, he is our guy. He
2: was Buffalo. So yeah. the, the problem was, remember, the reason Michael Jordan left at the top of his basketball prowess, the NBA world champion, Chicago Bulls, is the allegations about him having a gambling problem, right. severe gambling problem, and he did. So he went down to Birmingham, two years, came back to the NBA, still had a gambling problem. Still has a gambling problem to this day, but he's able to somehow manage it. Now, Eric Adams, the swagger man with no
3: plan. How does this get back to Eric Adams? I have no idea.
2: Because who you associate with Ah. can implicate you in terms of what's going on in your own personal life. We all know that Eric Adams loved being called the swagger man at the beginning of his first months in office, Saturday Night Live. Did uh, the impression? Read the guy who was no longer with him. Did a great Eric Adams impression. He always would talk about being the swagger man. And after a while, it was like you wanted to know what Eric Adams was doing. And you read page six. wasn't even wasn't even trying to hide it. We'd see pictures. We'd we'd see individuals, uh, uh, convicted felons. Which, if he had been hanging out with them when he was a cop, he probably would have lost his badge and his gun and lost his career. And he will always say, I'm here to rehabilitate them. I'm here to mentor them out of a, a, a tough life. And he's been friends with these two guys who own a very popular restaurant in West 52nd Street. And uh, they are convicted, convicted felons going way back to Brooklyn. And he just continues to hang out with them. And then the night before, he announces the emergency in the city, right? Absolute emergency. We're overwhelmed with the migrants coming in.
3: He's partying until 3, 4 in the morning. I didn't, and therefore, who cares what he does at 2 o'clock in the morning? What do you want him to do at 2 o'clock in the morning that you think is more important than this? I know if you were mayor,
2: you would not be partying till 2, 3 in the morning no, on the I, day that I, you were going to announce no. an
3: emergency. No, i say, first of all, every <laughs> single mayor, and if we really thought about it hard enough, we can come up with the thing. Every single mayor has the thing that they do that's not exactly part of their job that they get criticized for. Oh, why are you doing that? Why are you going to the gym? Why are you going to tennis matches? Why are you going to the to Bermuda, wherever, but wherever Mike Bloomberg had his thing? And it, when I was running for mayor, the the Bloomberg guys did this whole opposition research dump that I played hockey in the middle of the night. Okay, that that's one or that was my thing. And the sh the point I'm making is that this only matters. In in the context of, why don't you spend more time doing your job? At 1 o'clock in the morning, if a guy wants to go have a late bite to eat and a drink, I don't begrudge him that. What I care about as a citizen, as a taxpayer, is that things are being done to make my life better, to make the city better, and to be – I want now, him now, to I be on the question. job.
2: Anthony, when you were having your personal problems, did people try to do interventions with you? Did they try to say, Anthony, Yes,
3: you and you ignored them, right? Well, and the, uh, the most <laughs> part, I when when I took when I hit my bottom, I hit my bottom with the help of a lot of people who. When I went to rehab, I'll, I'll tell you that I haven't said this publicly anywhere yes. before. When I went to rehab, it was not because I thought I had a problem; it's just I had run out of what to do. I had I'd come up with every other excuse under the sun, to so, say, "Okay, I'll go to rehab." And it wasn't until I was at rehab that I ultimately took my first step and realized I Good. had a real problem. Good, and and we had an intervention. My brother said, "Yes, I I have usually." It's like you say no until you realize you have no place else to go. Do you think that, that that's relevant to this? Well, you think absolutely. That, and I'll you tell think you what. You think that Eric Adams? I'll tell you what. The guy he's hanging out
2: with of late, he's been with him five, six times publicly to the wee hours of the morning. French Montana. Coke yes. boy. I mean, we're talking big time. We're not talking a guy just stealing, cracking the projects like Jay-Z or Biggie Smalls, and then they gave it up. We're talking about a big-time Coke boy actually wrote rules, ten rules of what you should do when you're in the game dealing Coke. Now, people would say, well, he left that a long time ago. I mean, we're talking he was dealing kilos. He wasn't just dealing, you know, vials of crack. And he said, oh, I left all that. And yet he associates with people who are still in the game. Why would the mayor be sitting with him on a regular basis? He just
3: said he left all that, that that's from a different time in his life. Come on. I don't know. This seems to be you
2: know I You know you know what record labels he owns? Can I give you the record labels he owns? Coke Boy records, cocaine city records. Does that sound like he left the game? Come on. <laughs> Sir? Is everybody naive out there? <laughs> Co- and what Co- does the mayor always say? Why does he like nightlife? He likes to sample the product. He says that over and over. That is the statement in the streets. When you go to clubs late at night, I understand you go, you I want to sample
3: the product. <sighs> Here, here's what but here's what i'm i'm puzzled by you have so many real new york city mayoral things that you and you raise them that you can reasonably suggest are things that he should be doing better on his job i don't believe that that while it makes for for fodder for tabloids and maybe we'll have some fun with it Ultimately, it does not matter. I don't care what my housing contractor is doing when he's not putting the roof on my house. I don't care what my mayor is doing in his downtime. Now, the difference sometimes is that when you're Bill de Blasio at 1030 in the morning and you're still in a car on the east side drive going to the Park Slope to work out, okay, then you can argue, wait a minute, this is my time. I'm your your employer. I want you to be working. But at 1 o'clock in the morning, if he wants to be out there, I don't think, Anthony, I don't if think if it's a high priority. Were, if things were going well in the city, you're
2: right. Nobody would care who he hangs out with. Things are not going well at all. There's not a thing you can't look at that isn't imploding. Just had a major expose. All the housing he had promised, right? The affordable housing. It's caved. His girlfriend and Banks's girlfriend have high paying positions with the Department of Education. There's something wrong there. He's got a police commissioner who doesn't meet with a chief or so deputy chief. See, well, she only meets with Phil Banks, yes. the deputy mayor for public safety, I, on you, Sundays. I
3: think you're I think you're zero for three with those three things. One, the problems of of developing housing com- or commercial developing real estate period right now is at a very is at an ebb because of high interest rates, because of COVID, and a lot of things. Second, in terms of his girlfriend, she was in the Department of Education when he met her. So to say that she got that job because some um, she's connected. When she met her, she was involved in the Department of Education. And the thing, it, nowhere does it say that commissioner doesn't meet with her chiefs. All it said is that from time to time she meets with this guy Banks, is a high ranking official of the administration. On
2: Sundays. and I'm hoping it's in church, in, it, and not at a hotel motel holiday in Express. Where, this is <laughs> where you <laughs> go on Sundays. You what do you think, one, with schmucks, rich? With rich,
3: don't encourage Come him. On. Don't encourage Come him. on, That's Anthony. Not, I'm street no. smart. No. I know
2: the deal. Come on. When you have
3: when you have someone like Banks, he came from the police department. He's basically a functioning. It looks to me from the newspapers and from his meetings, he's functioning like the the what what used to be the uh, the criminal justice coordinator, which is totally fine. That's his portfolio. An
2: unindicted I, co-conspirator. A confidential informant, that's the way he avoided going to jail. And shootings are and down. And he should shootings be the guy calling
3: the shots. Shootings are down and murders are down. Oh,
2: oh, don't you feel so much safer in the city of New York, Anthony Weiner? It's the perception of crime. That's the new thing. I it's don't the perception. Buy
3: it. I love it when people say, that. oh, it's the perception. No, I'm not interested in perception. I'm interested in, the, in what's really happening. I'm interested in what's really happening. I'm what's interested in what he's accomplishing. This whole perception that he's hanging out with French Montana, I would not hang out with French Montana, but I wouldn't be invited. Let me give you another one.
2: Let me me give uh you another one. He's hanging out with Jharrel. Jharrel. I mean, what did he do wrong? Fried festival. Oh, first, Every, it's
3: fire!
2: Fire! Excuse me.
3: It's F Y R E. I call it fried festival. Okay, because you got fried. <laughs> all the hipsters and millennials yeah, got ripped red. off for millions of dollars. Okay, but but by the way, if, if if someone who is who is subject of a civil suit is someone you should be hang out with, then frankly, none of us can hang out with any of these big business guys. Yeah, they they all have. Yeah, civil let me suits. take you
2: back a little bit because you're not aware. Ja Rule had beef with Fifty Cent. Fifty Cent got shot nine times. Everybody in Southeast Queens know. It was Ja Rule's boys. Come on, right? Rich, come on. Be honest, Rich. Everybody knows. I know. Yeah. Well, uh, I- how you guys put... Uh, window shades on your eyes no. when you see a guy who's out of control at night. He, he can't function properly if you're out to
3: 3, 4 in the morning
2: and get oh, up and have meetings. Is it's about. So you Come on, think, Anthony. Oh,
3: so you think that he's not functioning well? You think he looks tired? You think he looks worn hey, out? Hey, a little you Adderall, that, a little blow goes a long way to keeping you guy, going 24, 7, The guy looks sharp. The guy looks oh, fit. Oh, he does. He looks like he's... Looks doing, like a pimp. He dresses like he, a pimp. Of course he looks sharp. No, Five thousand dollars. He suits. doesn't. He doesn't look at all like a pimp, and I think there's something vaguely racist about that.
2: Oh, vaguely racist. Excuse me. say so he's wearing expensive In the suits. Pro- Wait a second. The first depiction of him on Saturday Night Live was by
3: the the black guy Red, who's no longer there. Was he not playing Superfly TNT? He was, he was doing a little of that. He was doing a little of that. But I don't think. But it's it's all a matter of what's important. Isn't there – there's all kinds of stuff okay. in the news about he, that's d- right. really he important. He declared an emergency. Yes. That means nothing. It means not – what does it mean? I was asked this – a caller called and asked this question. I read it a couple of times. I think that he now doesn't have to abide by zoning and housing rules to solve this problem. I think it's kind of literally like what no, happens – Let me
2: – perfect example. He puts the tent at Orchard Beach, the parking lot. Everybody who's ever dealt in Orchard Beach, which he hasn't, tells him, including Ruben Diaz Jr. We talked about different.
3: it. Very we, different. We, we had some problems. With you got him. a
2: drainage problem. AOC, to her credit, that's her district. She says, hey, there's a drainage problem. First rain. You, you can't have people living there. He wouldn't listen. He was obstinate. But he did listen. Yeah, when it was too late. The tent was halfway
3: well, up. They, they they had puddle ponding there. Now, I think you should have anticipated you were going to. You had ponding. By the way, Randall's Island is no great shake. Is of it course. Randall's or Roosevelt? No, Randall's. Yeah, that's no great shake either. Yeah, kind of in the middle you, of nowhere. It's the same problem. Well, it's also inaccessible. It's really hard to get in and out of next, there. Next,
2: next, he's bringing the cruise line, at Norwegian cruise line, to Homeport, North Shore, and Staten Island. He's negotiating his chief of staff, Carone. And then he gets blowback opposition because people said that's 5,000 migrants on a ship with no jobs, nothing to do out there. You can't do that. And so then all of a sudden he announces, yes, I'm canceling that. Not because I don't want to put an ocean liner there, but uh, they're asking too high a price. I'm negotiating with, with Carnival Cruise Line. That's and fine.
3: That's fine. Look, all of these things are temporary emergency kind of things. There's not a lot of really super easy answers to this stuff. We covered this last week. He is... Rolling with the punches. The punches are increasingly difficult to roll with. He's he is basically. We in New York City are dealing with this national emergency. That our border is a mess and our policies are a mess. We've got members of Congress who are just pontificating about it. We've got people running for office who have done nothing about it. Lee Zeldin, I'm looking at you. I mean, let me ask you a question. Schumer controls purse uh, and
2: pocketbook money coming out of D.C. With 60 votes, he does. Sure. Uh, No desire. To come in and give a trough of money to Eric, he's asked now for a billion
3: dollars. I, I am, I am sure, I am sure that Chuck Schumer is being responsive to Eric Adams. There's not, you know, say a tranche of money. This is a bigger problem. This is a bigger than the national problem. I think that DHS should help us. I think that the, I think we should get more, more money to to help why, with this thing. But I also think something can't else.
2: Eric Adams just say, Mr. President, you've created this? You must now help the city because they are coming into our city. We cannot provide the services. How come, we are how, overwhelmed. No, I'm curious
3: about something. How come Lee Zeldin didn't do that when Trump was in office? Lee Zeldin is not the president of the United no, States. Joe Biden can do this. No, you're this. saying what Eric Adams should do. I I didn't hear Lee Zeldin Yeah, but we say didn't what, have that problem when Trump was oh, of oh, flood, flood, in. Of course we didn't. You
2: here? don't remember
3: migrant caravans in 2019? Here in New York City? When do you think they wound up? Well, what, what, what are you talking you, about? You didn't, have, you didn't have people putting them on organized buses, but they were coming here. It our, didn't. It did, how, how, do, how were we able to handle it look, then? And we at, can't handle it now. Look at what our population increased by in the last uh, 10 so years. So de Blasio was able to handle it. And Eric Adams I think that this the situation at the border is in, in, a mess because of what's going on in Central America, what's going on in Venezuela what's going on in, in Colombia, what's going on in other places is worse than arguably it's been any time in the last twenty or thirty years. True. We are arresting more people because we have had border enforcement true. This is a problem with our laws with the, with the the asylum laws these are all these are all things that are true. I think that when you're the mayor of the of the city of New York although you're a big deal in the city of New York you're at the tail you're at the place where you got to get stuff well, let me, done. Let
2: me finish. The day before he's talking black conspiracy. He's saying why are they sending all the migrants to Washington, Chicago, New York? It's a plot to destabilize democratic black mayors in big cities. He said all this. Remember he it's said politics. it publicly.
3: It's politics. Okay.
2: He said all that. Nobody nobody bought that. Nobody bought that. And so then he declares a state of emergency. He says we're going to be imploding. And you're reading that he was partying the night before, and his colleague in Chicago, who's overwhelmed with crime, 37%, and she's declaring that Abbott is a racist, is doing karaoke
3: TikTok videos. Well, you've got... you've got, lightweight. Well, well, Lightway. Well, what well, what is with these people? It's <laughs> like let's Nero. Let's do it. Let's do it. Rome a, is
2: burning, and Nero is playing his
3: do, fiddle. Let's do a compare and contrast. What about the governor of Texas, who at the same time when their children are getting shot dead, is arguing for uh, less regulation on how people get guns? You think that's a bad idea?
2: That's, that's, that's his Texans. job. That's, that's Texans. To, well, yeah, that's his, that's they'll, Texans. They'll, they'll vote him out. They'll vote O'Rourke in as the governor.
3: Or, or, they'll, or they'll vote out Lightfoot and they'll vote out Adams. The whole no, point they is won't. this is selective outrage, basically. Yeah, how are they are going to vote out Lightfoot or vote out Adams? This it's is a, a Democratic cities. Yeah, but they're, they're, they can be challenged by other Democrats which is going to happen with Adams, going to happen with Lightfoot. I mean, the point that I'm making is this is very selective, your outrage. And you're outraged about oh, TikTok. Who declared an, You're, you're, an you're outraged about TikTok videos, French Montana, when you have people doing things like, doing things like, like uh, advocating for gun control laws that allow people to go into.:: well, you, do you mean one I think one's more important than the because
2: other. Because you obviously have a relationship with Eric Adams. I have none. Could you ask him, what does he mean that he likes to sample the product? In the wee hours in the morning. Could you ask him He's talking about nightlife.
3: nightlife. He's talking about the nightlife when he and Rich and Fred Montana go out and they... They do blow. They don't do blow. Yes, they do. You you are desperate now.
2: Everybody knows Rich Montana is a coke boy. He was. He runs coke boy records, cocaine city records. Now
3: he's he's a moderately successful third-rate rapper.
2: Sure, sure. All right. But anyway, up next we must talk about something that has caused you tremendous angst. Last night, City
3: Field. Can we talk about French Montana more, please? Oh, yeah, I could go deep. Rather he than He got shot in the head, you know. I don't want to
2: hear about it. And that. survived. Oh, yeah, he's from Morocco. You know, he speaks perfect Arabic. Oh, I could go into the whole life and times of that degenerate Anything to distract you cold from boy, French Montana best friend of Eric Adams. By the way, you jinxed the Mets, and Eric Adams jinxed the Mets. I'm blaming the both of you for how they got beat so badly by the San Diego Padres in a two-out-of-three do-or-die playoff match. You'll give us the uh, prognosis of what it's looking like. The autopsy. For did the autopsy. And I'll talk a little Yankee talk because we're not getting in the World Series. I told you that a long time ago. Not because of Aaron Judge, but because of Aaron Boone.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
1: talk radio 77 wabc it's the left versus the right in the right corner it's heavyweight king curtis lewa in the left corner it's anthony Weiner. it's a 77 wabc debate heavyweight slugfest on new york's news and talk station 77 wabc
2: No, I don't think uh, Anthony's feeling like this now in advance of the do or die game two at City Field tonight against the San Diego Padres.
3: I don't think you're feeling this music, are you, Anthony? He's got a text from Huma. Jordan lost 10-2 in his hockey game. This is a bad week in the Wiener household, boy. Well, you started this.
2: Two weeks ago, you were telling me, forget calling it the Cy Young Award. Call it the DeGrom Award from now on. Greatest pitcher of all time. And I didn't really argue with you. But I said, wow, that's a little risque right before the playoffs and a possible World Series bid for the Mets. And then all of a sudden, he went to Oakland and got shelled. Okay, that sometimes happens. And then in Atlanta... As one of your favorite presidents, Jimmy Carter, was celebrating his 98th birthday with Rosalind in Plains, Georgia. He had the Atlanta Braves cap on. He was doing the chomp-chomp. And they said, Jimmy, you're so happy. Well, well, what did you get as presents? He goes, best present was the Atlanta Braves sweeping the Mets in three. And then, unexpectedly, Elton John is in the middle of a concert and naturally stops. He gets alerted that the Mets have swept. you me, the Braves have swept the Mets. Who knew? That Elton John was an Atlanta Braves fan. He gives the fist up. Yeah! Can we go to a break, Rich? No, no, you. You brought this out. And then yesterday, right after Mayor Eric Adams declared uh, an emergency, a citywide emergency because of the migrant situation, he said, oh, the Mets are going on to the World Series. You know, I brought a lot of life to New York, and the Mets are bringing a lot of life to New York. And then it
3: got flattened last year. By the way, I didn't see... I didn't see... um, and I was looking out for it. I don't think the mayor was at the game last night. He better not have been. Would you have given him a hard time for that? Uh, if he showed up initially, first few innings and leave, no. Okay, no, but I'm saying, like, I think that I would have been very eager as the mayor to go to to go to go yeah. the Mets. Yeah,
2: look, Rudy used to all the time. Yeah, and he would Never go, go to Shea because they booed him because he would say, I hate the Mets. Well, no,
3: politicians always get, get booed. But, uh, look, I, I mean, I, I pointed this out before 175 days this year the Mets were in first place. Yes, they were. And for Atlanta, eight days. Mm. I mean, it's this has been tough. And as I also mentioned on my show, you know, this reminds me of, ta- of, uh, of Tom Glavin in 2007. You know, you, there are these things. I, last night, I mean, look, we'll see. We had DeGrom going. They said now you got to wonder if it was a smart thing to be saving DeGrom, like this idea, let's save him for Atlanta. We're not going to see Atlanta if we don't do it. And, and we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, this this whole thing can turn around. This whole thing can turn around. I'm not, I'm not jumping yet, but this has been a rough way to, to finish But San Diego's not a bad team, man. I mean, if, if, if they weren't playing in the shadow of, oh, of the, if they weren't playing in the shadow of the Dodgers all year, you'd be talking about how they're a pretty well constructed team. I hate
2: them because child I hated him when he was a Baltimore Oriole. The Yankees almost signed him up, got bamboozled. A lot of people wanted to get him out of Machado. Right. He went to San Diego. He was dancing and prancing last night. I didn't see the game, but I saw the highlights. I said, uh, you know, as much as I hate the Mets, I really hate Machado. I'm like Switzerland on this, you know. I hate both. But the problem is, did you see the pitcher who was your adversary last year with the Cubs? He was washed up. He was finito. He would never pitch again. I think his ERA record, Darwich was uh, like uh, 22, uh, uh, 22 runs uh, a game. He was like, watch out! And then all of a sudden, it's like
3: he has a resurrection. He's like, he's. he's you know the, the 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 other thing about Doris is he was throwing nothing. But I mean, even I could, you know, even I knew what pitch was coming. He's but he's hitting corners. No, he he corners. he had he has great control. He throws a lot of like he should throws. A, a, I mean, he has like nine different. Can I I give you advice
2: from somebody who knows Buck Showalter and hates Buck Showalter? You got Lindor. Any way he can get on base, he should jump in front of a pitch, he should, the punt, whatever. Because he gets on first base, he's on third.
3: They have no catches you can throw. I, I know, but we, we, what, what do the Mets do when they're not playing? With They leave men on base, men on base, men on base. That's all we do is leave men but on base. But I think base. if Buck just says
2: to Lindor, dive in front of the ball, do what Ron Hunt used to do for the Mets. Well, he
3: actually did that. You, you didn't watch the game. Or you didn't watch the <laughs> – it was well, – I want to say the first inning. The ball bounces in front of Lindor. He just points down to it because it's right near his yeah, foot. Yeah, yeah, and, and the umpire was all right, take first. All he's got
2: to gotta do is get on first. He'll be on third. All three catches for the San Diego Padres, they can barely throw it to the pitcher's mound. They'll never throw anybody out.
3: Well, look, it, the other problem we I mean, you, but you're, you're letting Scherzer off... You're letting him off too too easily. I mean, the guy like, was paid what forty million dollars to pitch this season.
2: He's he's, he's been a war horse.
3: Whatever, whatever. We, this was it. We we didn't pay for him to be uh, to to get us into the playoffs. We paid for him for no, this I know, moment. No, he, but
2: he's broken down a little bit, and Degrom has broken down a little bit. And I can understand they've thrown so many pitches, and with such accuracy and cutters, and you know cutters eventually weigh your arm down. I guess, I guess. Oh, wow, you're not did, giving
3: them any slack. I'm just saying that that, that you, you we, we would not be having this conversation a month ago. We would be saying, okay, we can we can put two games in every series, maybe three games in every series. Remember,
2: remember back what I said when your owner, Steve Cohn, who I still believe should be in federal prison for insider trading information, but he's not, said, whatever it takes, I am opening up the purses, my fortune, and then about a month later, he said, I'm capping it at 300 million. I said, he's not going to win the World Series because there were some free agents available that he could have gone after. would have cost him a hell of a lot of money. He would have been over the cap. He would have had to pay the extra tax. But he
3: gave Met fans the impression that money was no option. I don't, I am not one of, I do not believe that the Mets are in this situation because they haven't paid enough for their payroll. When you have Max Scherzer and you, you have Jacob DeGrom. They've got to do their thing, which is to win the game. Now, we we didn't do a great job at the bats either. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say. I, I hope that we win tonight. We better win tonight. I did not see this season ending at the hands of the San Diego Padres in the first round of this. new Please format. not don't,
2: don't let that happen. I don't
3: want to see Machado dancing at home
2: plate. I don't want to see uh, Mr. Met high five. By the way, whatever happened to Mrs. Met? She like disappears from time to. Do you know they pay Mr. Met $200,000 a year? $200,000 a year. A guy who clearly used steroids in his head. Yeah. Look what a big no, head. No, no, but he commands, he commands that much money
3: because, you know, how it is to find elephant man, like to find someone with that size of a noggin is not easy to do. I mean, he, that guy's got, and also all the special things that they have to do for him. You know they have to make doorways bigger for him and everything else. It's a lot I of want expenses. to see
2: Mets versus Dodgers. You got to get through Machado. I really. By the way, you Machado. know I
3: have a little pet peeve too. You know Eduardo Escobar has been hitting the the ball really well. He's the only yes. guy on the team yes, that really. Has. has. he hits a home run the other day, it's a it's a home run to bring them to within six runs. Yes, he is celebrating on the base paths. And in the in the dugout, sure, you hit a home run, but when your team is down seven one, you're not. You should not be doing that kind of celebrating anymore. And I say, you know, anymore. Like I I plan a pretty dreadful hockey team. We're down nine nine one nine two, and we score a second goal, and the bench is going nuts. So he did Machado. Machado did that a lot. Yeah, well, Matty, he did that because he was often the only guy on on Baltimore (laughs) doing anything. (laughs) You know, he was their entire offense. But all that being said, when we meet next week, Alavai. We will be through I, this I am first...
2: hoping the Mets win tonight. Good. I really thank, want to see you, you guys against us. the Dodgers. I mean, that everybody wants to see that. East right. Coast, West Coast. Come on. Let's admit that. We want to see Mets versus the but Dodgers.
3: Not, but we would not get them next.
2: We would get Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. You'll, I want you to. I, because I want uh, Jimmy Carter to get upset. I really <laughs> do. I really do. But I will tell you this. I just want to remind you. The L.A. Dodgers. When Sandy Koufax would not pitch in that World Series game for Yom Kippur, imagine what it was like for Dodger fans and everyone else, mostly non-Jews, to say, what, the best pitcher in baseball won't pitch against the Minnesota Twins in the World Series. That
3: took courage. That took courage. Yes. Yes. And it also probably created about two-thirds of the antisemitism we still have in the city. <laughs> Although I understand he had a BLT
2: sandwich that day. He wasn't the most observant, too, but he did the right thing that day. Come on, admit it, Anthony. He said, Hashem comes first, not baseball. That's right. That's right. Anyway, up next, we got to talk about the president of the United States, what he has done this uh, past uh, week. Uh, also, obviously, Zelensky versus Putin was Putin's birthday yesterday along with Joyless Behar. I don't know what that has in common, but uh, we're going to bring it all up. And let's see if you can hit it out of the park, Anthony. Potpourri. Like, we got some potpourri coming up. Like the polar bears going to have to come through tonight, right? <laughs> come on. I want the Mets to win. I hate Machado, and I want them in the finals against the Dodgers. That will make for exciting baseball. Right here on WABC, your place to be.
1: Radio 77 WABC. It's the left versus the right. In the right corner, it's heavyweight King Curtis Lewa. In the left corner, it's Anthony Weiner. Well,
2: well, well. Rich. Uh, Proves that even though he's African American, he's got a lot of McWhitey-Whitey in him. He might actually be whiter than you are, Anthony, whiter than I am.
3: Who is this? Like White Snake or something? Who is this? Def Leppard.
2: Yeah, yes. I mean, you can't get any whiter than that. Yes, I mean, come on, true. let's face it, Def Leppard. Are you Are you sure you're not an Ashkenazi rich? Uh, I thought you She's took off. Of you. Yeah, we- But Yom Kippur, could have swore you took off. He used that as a ruse. Me and Kevin are going to Temple after this. Yeah. (laughs) You see what I mean? (laughs) You're you're wondering what happened with the Lost
3: Tribe? Rich is
2: leading the Lost Tribe. All right, so now you mentioned loss. I don't know if this was on purpose, if he really meant it, or it was to alert us and warn us. Uh, While the President of the United States was um, at a party fundraising event, you know, for DNC candidates, uh, he took the time to say that he felt This was as close to the apocalypse as we would get based on the Cuban Missile Crisis. We remember JFK and uh, Khrushchev going back and forth. So much tension. There were missiles, nuclear missiles in Cuba aimed at us. We had nuclear missiles in Turkey aimed uh, at Moscow and St. Petersburg and the Russians, and it was super tense. Now, I know it's not good, Anthony, but I don't think it approaches the Cuban Missile Crisis, what we went through for all those days when everyone just assumed that all those exercises we had done prior to you being birthed, you know, duck and cover under the desk, yep. kiss our I had
3: a little bit of that at PS39. Oh, okay. All right, right. So you
2: got a little taste. Uh, I had a lot yeah. of it. Uh, what do you make of all that, that he
3: would bring that up and use terms like Apocalyptic. Well, he must have been listening to Donald Trump talking to John Katzimatidis. You know, when Trump called in and had a long interview with, with John, and that's available on the Red Apple Podcast Network and go look back and listen to it, He, Trump said the same thing. He says, We're getting close to World War III. Yes, yes, he did. Which, you know, these, I mean, look, I think people make a lot of a uh, big deal about language like that when in fact that's, we all kind of understand what's going on when, when, um, when Putin makes reference to the idea that we have tools that we can deploy as well. And that's the problem. That's always been the the fear. I think the American people are adult enough to, like, hear the president speak honestly like that and not say that there's a lot of news there. I mean, that, you know, sometimes you know, there, there, there's this old joke, you know, a gaffe is when someone uh, uh, makes a mistake in Washington and says what they really think. This is not a gaffe. What he was saying was, frankly, what people believe, and that is that Putin's erratic, that he could use nuclear weapons here, and that would be really bad. Um, But I don't think there's a lot of news here.
2: Well, the reason I mention that is prior to the invasion, uh, he was telling us that Putin was going to invade uh, the Ukraine. And everybody's, nah, no, he's not. No, he's not. He's going to hold off. This is all a big bluff. And then he sent those T2 tanks in. I mean, they just came storming in. Right. And luckily, there was a a few uh, evasive moves uh, by the Ukraine, uh, Ukrainian people to prevent them from taking over Kiev, which may have meant uh, an immediate downfall of most uh, most of the important parts of the country. But now Zelensky, I mean, he's flexing, man. It's like, no, they're, no, they got them on the run. They're
3: even they're even blowing up bridges. I think the bridge of Crimea, right? They're, they're There's definitely, I mean, got to give Biden a lot of credit here. He held the international community together. He's got he's got us all kind of in the same direction. The 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 Russians are completely isolated. They're out there with the with the Chinese, and you know, and then even even the the South Asian countries are starting to say we we we're losing faith that our our, we made the right deal and uh, with with he's punishing the Chinese more and more every day for their continued relationship. You know
2: what I like. Zelensky basically told Elon Musk, "Stick it where the sun doesn't oh, shine." God, Musk, because Musk came in and said, "Well, you know, based he on a, a bl- survey I did, you way, should Curtis, really sit you know, down is, and
3: break bread." This is the thing. Let me tell you, you. See if you agree with this. Why is it that rich people think because they're good at one thing, they're smart about other things? No. This guy, he did the same dopey thing when those kids were stuck in that in that cave. He's a, he's a knucklehead. He you know just because he's able to make a car an electric car does not mean we need his his advice in geo politics. And now he's stuck buying Twitter for some insane amount of price, burying forty four bill. You know burying his Tesla shareholders, taking a giant he's going to take a giant bath on that deal because he's he's a knucklehead.
2: I know, but he wants peace, so he sort of he, maybe he may have shaped that survey. You no, know. it's
3: not that he wants peace. People want to think that there's some easy answer out there. No, the yes. easy answer is for Putin to get the heck. That of another country. That's the answer. But
2: you see, Putin has lost face. Uh, People are now beginning to speak openly against him in the Duma, which is their former parliament, their former Congress. Um, The state-controlled media, people at night are saying things at night on television. I
3: mean, he controls this, in which he's, what the hell is going on? His friend's daughters are getting taken out by intelligence agents of of, of Ukraine. So he's in a precarious position.
2: Because, remember, they don't have a, a line of ascension like we have. You know, president gets taken out or, for whatever reason, dies, uh, the vice president and then Speaker of the House. They don't have that in Russia. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like, come see, si, come saw. That's how Boris Yeltsin, all of a sudden, when they sacked uh, Gorbachev and they had him and his wife, Raisa, Remember in their dacha in the Crimea and the generals took over Boris Yeltsin, drunk as he ever was, got in front on top of that T2 tank and he said, he's our leader.
3: Right. But, you know, every autocrat, every dictator always seems like he's got a control of his country until he doesn't. We never know. You know, it's, you know like whenever we see one of these teapot dictatorships fall. Now, I don't think that it's at that place. And if you still hear a lot of the voices from within Russia, there's still a lot of people who are basically echoing the party line and that, they've said that this is a race against against Nazism and everything yeah, else.
2: Let's just say his back is to the wall and he begins to see that his own mortality is threatened, his own leadership is threatened. And let's face it, they, they sack you, they take you out. It could go the way of the czar. Does he drop? a nuclear weapon somewhere in the Ukraine, and what should our response be? We're not talking about the most powerful nuclear weapon in his arsenal, but a nuclear weapon that basically says, I'm ready to unload on everyone. And what should our response be? Because they're well, not the members pro- of NATO.
3: Right. So it's probably not going to be the kind of thing where he bombs a, a city or he bombs a town. You know, remember how close they are. You know, yeah. he, he has to be careful not to have a nuclear cloud over his own his own people. But... Can I see him using a tactical, a small tactical nuclear weapon and putting us in a situation trying to figure out how to deal with that? I think that there has been a line in the sand. And remember when Obama famously drew the line in the sand about chemical weapons in in, um, Syria. in Syria, and it turned out to be one of his most embarrassing moments as a president. I do think that in the international community, you start using tactical nukes on the battlefield, then we then do get involved as NATO and bury them. How do you do that without him launching at us then? Oh, I don't – I – well, I don't know. I don't believe that that's how he would would respond, but I think that – I mean, I don't think at the end of the day he uses nuclear weapons because he's diagramming this all, but I have no idea. I I have no idea. I'm not a – a, a wartime general, but I do believe that it does. He knows he puts NATO in well, a position that, that the, we have to respond. I think before it gets to that point, we
2: might want to do a few public uh, polls with citizens to say, look, if he releases a nuclear weapon somewhere in the Ukraine, maybe he explodes it way
1: towards... No, it's
3: not going to be that. It's going to be a tactical nuke where he blows out a, a whole a whole bunch of... Tanks or something or that. Like, remember the 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 nukes that they have at their availability are not what we we learned about. You know, over Hiroshima, they're like the the size of you know a of a of a of a jug of Evian, and and they 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 they're powerful, but they take out. They're used for tactical reasons. Like, for example, if the Ukrainians took out that bridge with a tactical nuclear weapon and blew up the whole bridge, not just one section of it caught fire. Um, but I think that any use of any nuclear weapon, I think. Well, it seems like he's from.
2: taking complete control. He's on the verge of taking complete control of the largest nuclear power plant in the world. And he could cut off uh, the electrical supply to most of the Ukraine. I think they have two nuclear power plants. Let's just say he decides. Let, let me just take this over, uh, cut off all the electrical supply. They're going into
3: winter. Boy, that would be miserable. Uh, what What? What do we, how do we ratchet every, it up? Every time we have try to game out as l- civilians sitting on the radio, what's going to happen? We have underestimated the Ukrainian opposition, overestimated the Russian military. If there is one divining lesson that we're learning here is these superpowers, at least Russia is not as super powerful as we thought. We learned experience about our limitations of our superpower status in places like Afghanistan and Iraq. And that we are learning that these guys are just there. And, and by the way, when you start forcing into service, constricting people to serve – as opposed to the people in, in Ukraine, you know, doctors and pharmacists and housewives, you know, grabbing a gun because they're fighting for their country. You see, it makes a big difference. So we we'll we'll learned we'll learn this in Vietnam.
2: Sarah Palin from her kitchen the other day saw the two Russians coming <laughs> across the Bering Strait. Because remember, she could see Russia from a kitchen table. Yeah, She saw two of them actually decided to go across <laughs> the Bering Strait, which, by the way, based on your conversations about Christopher Columbus, When I was in uh, St. Matthew's Elementary School, Catholic School uh, in Crown Heights, uh, Eastern Parkway, Utica Avenue, Josephite Nuns, they told us that the original population came across the Bering Strait when it was frozen in the middle of winter and then worked their way down what is now Alaska through Canada, the United States, all the way to down in Argentina and Chile. That's what we were taught, and we are like, wow. That's a long walk.
3: Yeah, that's a haul.
2: That's a long migration. So we weren't just, a, although I must say, those Irish nuns told me that you will not write down Christopher Columbus discovered the New World. I thought, well, okay, maybe it's the indigenous people, right, who came across there. No, St. Brendan the Navigator. That's right, the Irishman was the first to discover. Curtis, if you write down Christopher Columbus, <laughs> you will fail. Everybody had their own spin. You go to Bay Ridge, you know, every year, the Leif Erikson, Eric we have, yeah. parade. We have Leif
3: Erikson Drive, yeah, of the, course. The
2: Norwegians would come out. We discovered the new world. Everybody claimed St. Brendan the Navigator. I had vertical because if I wrote down Christopher Columbus, uh, I would uh, I would fail. If I went back to the neighborhood, my Supreme Cousine cousins, I'd get a beat down. Yeah. I mean, damned if I did, damned if I didn't. Yeah, you have to you have
3: to come up with a story. Yes. I
2: should have put the the indigenous people who came across the Bering Strait because my moron, my Gabon cousins go, What? Bering <laughs> Sh- What are you what the hell are you talking about? What kind of communist propaganda are they feeding you? I said it's the nuns.
3: By the way, you know what what I, I, I read when doing some research about Columbus, and I don't know if this is true, someone will call in and tell us if it's not. We called Native Americans Indians because of Columbus. Columbus coined that Coin that and, yes. and as a result, indigenous like he, he kind of like he had the whole vocabulary, but the thing that impressed me about the story about Columbus, and there's a lot, obviously I don't want to get bogged down it. there's a lot to be not very proud of, but you know he came here well south of here, as one of the first international globalist capitalists, right he was going to get ten percent of everything that he got, he wasn't altruistic about it, he said this is just business and Capitalism is the reason that we all got discovered here and that we that globalization began now you can beef about globalization, but arguably he was the father of globalization. That's you, a pretty big deal. You left out
2: another factor which should be very near and dear to you. I would say Christopher Columbus came out of Genoa, right? Merchant Seaman. He was a Jew. He knew the Inquisition was coming from Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand. He said, I gotta get the hell out of here. <laughs> Let me get my three ships. Let me sail. Because they all think the world is flat. Remember, if you went not, that direction, they them. thought the world was flat, that he would fall off. But I got to avoid becoming a Morano. Because remember what Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand did? They either killed you if you were a Jew or gave you a chance to convert, like Frank Morano. Right. Moranos. And Christopher Columbus was not going to give up being a Jew. A lot of people argue he was not a Jew. Yes, he was. He was. Anthony, be proud. Stand up for one of your I, we, peeps. We
3: will we'll, we'll take the good, the good parts of his story. We'll, we'll take it as our own. You know, the other thing is, like, we don't know what he looked like. We don't know what his birthday is. I mean, okay. He's, we know where
2: his bones are buried. And I tell this to Dominicans all the time because some of them are very upset right. with uh, how he came in and slaughtered them and right. enslaved them. I said, you realize his bones are buried in the cathedral in Santo Domingo. Most of them know that. Nobody has ever tried to uh, have them uh, uh, removed, right. you know, thrown into the ocean, into the gulag, nothing like that. So this battle will continue. We'll see how it plays out on Monday. You know, we're broadcasting live from Fifth Avenue, the parade. I'll be there from 12 to 1. John Katsimatidis and Frank Morano from 1 to 3. And we have a float. Uh, first time the WABC has a float in which Vinnie Madugno, the Italian stallion, who's on... From 5 to 6 today, we'll be entertaining the crowd with and Italian we, songs. And also,
3: when we get back to the break, I'll explain my my most, my most proudest moment as an Italian-American. I'll explain that when we get back. Good,
2: and our tribute to our fellow colleague, our very dear friend, Bernard McGurk. We're in the midst of an Irish wake, so it was very solemn the day after he died. But let me tell you something, the Irish would not permit us to sit shiver as your peeps do, or the way Italians right. do, they well-dressed all in black. Right here on WABC, your place to be. <laughs>
1: Radio 77 W.A.B.C. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 W.A.B.C. debate. Heavyweight Slugfest.
2: Oh, my God. Here we go for the big buildup. Forever and ever, the intro. So let's uh, get right down to it. As uh, Rich thinks he's a DJ here, like we're at some club. Uh, anyway, uh, you're
3: teasing us by saying Anthony. We well, I, you know, so I'm, I'm Anthony. My name's Anthony. You're not going Anthony. by going Anthony. by Anthony. Yeah, Chuck Schumer's call me Anthony. Peter Valone, when I he was the speaker, would call me Tony. I represented a district places like Howard Beach and Ozone Park, a lot of Italian neighborhoods. A guy named Alfonso Stabile was a councilman hey, there. Hey, four hundred pounds, Alfonso
2: <laughs> Stabile. By the way, the Gambinos had their hooks. Anyway, in
3: anyway, so I uh, I run for mayor in two thousand five, and we're not getting much traction the five percent in the polls. I wound up doing very well, but at this point in this dead of summer, and before John Cantabessini's bought the. The the ferryhawks and before that place filled up with some energy. It had a rather more Staten Island Yankees team there, single a split season uh, um, uh, team out there at the stadium. They were the first to be out there. So in two thousand five, I'm running for mayor. And we get a call. We'd like Anthony Weiner to come throw out the first pitch. And I'm like, wow, this is kind of a big opportunity for me. I, I mean, I did very well in Staten Island being out there, but and we're also like kind of kind of you know kind of courageous to them because I'm a politician, you know. So I go out there, and I'm excited, and I get ready to throw out the first pitch, and as I'm walking out to the mound, they announce over the loudspeaker, and now, in honor of Italian-American Day here at, at the stadium, I think I know what they call it, the Staten Island Yankees present one of our proudest Italian sons, and I am now on the way out to the mound. Now, I was well enough known that I think most people in the in the stadium knew I wasn't, but I didn't quite know what to do. Part of me was like, "Am I throwing this first pitch under false pretense or something?" Um, so I went out there and I continued as best I could. I walked out there, I threw the first pitch, I got cheered, and I felt I'm anxious now because I'm what if my political opponents think that I did? I'm lying about this, and they whatever make a s- story about this. And so I tell my campaign manager, or whoever was bodying me at the time, "Can you go and make sure an- announce in some way that I am not Italian?" And they're like, "No, it's done. No one cares. Just let exactly, it go. Exactly. Just let, let it go, go. at But I was so concerned about it that afterwards, I I um um I walk around at outside the stadium greeting people as they're leaving, and I tell my guy with the bullhorn to say. Anthony Weiner, candidate for mayor, and he's not Italian. <laughs> like for no appearance. and most people who hadn't heard me heard the announcement, which most people had no idea why he was doing this. Some guy comes up to me, thinks I'm being, I'm being anti-Italian. Yes, it was just a complete mess. It was supposed to be this. Fight. This
2: is all you had to do. You had to say, "Who is one of the roughest, toughest fighters of all time? Maybe the best movie ever made, Jake LaMotta." Right? La- 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 yeah. He was a Jew. His mother was a Jew. When I tell—I did, didn't know that. When man. I tell this to Italians, they want to impale themselves. When I tell it to Jews, they say, Che Cormata? I say, yep. He's the toughest Jew that ever lived. Now, speaking of a tough
3: guy. And an honorary Jew.
2: Toughest white Irish guy ever to grow up in the projects of the South Bronx, Monroe Projects. Very yeah. tough place. Proud Hayesman went to Cardinal Hayes and Mount St. Vincent uh, in the Bronx. And then... Drove livery cab in Yonkers into some of the toughest neighborhoods. Got pistol whipped, robbed. He earned his street uh, cred, but he was one of the most well-read individuals totally. to ever, ever appear on talk radio. He had it all. Our colleague Bernard McCurk who unfortunately passed away a few days ago.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I told the story. You know, that I I got to know him first as a listener, right? And like in that show, he was the one that was hardest to read because. You know, Charles McCord played a role, but but um, to some degree Bernard sometimes he played characters like he did with, but, but like but every once in a while, Imus would be wanting for a reference, a historical reference, a guy he could not remember the name, and Bernie was always there. You had a sense that there's something, and then it wasn't until over at the old Cumulus version of the show, I got to know him in his own personality and also as his own. And it was a revelation. One, I got to know him a little bit personally because I was filling in a little bit. I was actually coming on as a guest and he was very kind and very supportive. And our politics could not be more different, but he was very, like he kept saying to me, you should run in 2017 against the Blasio, for example. Yes. This he did. And, um, and also a very, in his own working class Irish way, very erudite. You know, he could carry on a conversation about, the, you know, this whole thing about, you know, beat Bernie and ask him questions. You could have just a rough conversation about just about anything, and he was, and but a very, and despite kind of the, 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 the gruffness of his character online, on, on, on the air, sometimes, he understood the other side of the argument. He was very, he was very warm, and I tell you, he was very concerned with me. For example, when I joined and started coming on more, that I would be welcome in as a member of the family. And I, I consider him – I consider him – I didn't know him as well, obviously, as you did and Sid do, but I consider him at the end of his life to have been a friend, and I'm really grateful for that.
2: And the person who single-handedly fought for his right to have his own show and didn't just say, I want my own show, I need I need to bring Sid Rosenberg. And up that story Florida.
3: you sold about how they actively undermined his, his ability to get a show up in Boston – You know, we we have a a thing that we say that everything happens for a reason and you never regret the past because it leads you to where you are today. But imagine, Anthony, his
2: mentor, Don Imus, lobbied openly not to give Bernard McGurk a shot that he earned and wanted Mike Lupica instead and said it and had all the powers to be lined up. And that's why I can never say it enough. I walked into the room. The contract for Mike Lupica was on Chad Lopez's desk for Cumulus. He was the general manager. I said, Chad, you can't sign this. He goes, you know, the whole company, the CEO, COO, CFO, the board, they want me to sign Mike Lupica today. I said, you do that, you destroy WABC. you got to go with Bernard McGurk and Sid. They've earned this. And you know, Chad stood up to all of them. It would have been his... it would have been that it. They could have fired that, him.
3: That was the decision that kind of set what the heart and soul of the station was going to be. It would have been a very different thing. And uh, I look. I, I hope. I hope we're comforted by the blessings of his memory. And I hope we're, that his family stays in our prayers. And
2: this station will continue to resuscitate his memory. We'll be playing clips. You'll be hearing from Bernard from the grave. But remember, it's an Irish wake here. So keep it all positive in mind. I'll return late tonight, 12 midnight to 6, and we'll continue to celebrate the life and times of your friend, Anthony Weiner, my friend forever, and a friend to all of our listeners going way back, Bernard McGurk, one of the greatest of all times, G-O-A-T.